Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher or get it on pulphockey.com. We appreciate it. Two under, the best men's underwear out there. A lot of NHL guys are running it. Use the code FERRARO20 to save 20%. The number two, UNDR. Go there and uh, help uh, help out the show and help out uh, help out your stuff with getting some great uh, underwear. And also, too, are you fumbling around with old-school hockey whiteboards that won't erase? Tired of drawing plays over plexiglass? Fret no longer. The solution is here. Rideyboards.com. Rideyboards.com. 15% uh, you save with the code PULP. It's a patented foam technology whiteboard that you stick them to the rink, uh, peel it off, slap it up in the locker room, take it down. It's, uh, it's patented, like I said, and it means installation and removing a breeze. You can diagram your plays. Coaching will never be the same. Thanks to Rideyboards.com. Check them out. Um, with me on the line, best-selling author, former NHL goalie, former NHL goalie coach, now out in uh, uh, Nevada uh, as a rancher, Clint Malarcha. Clint, what's up? Thank you for doing the show. Well, uh, always a pleasure. I like uh, he's actually he's doing these little shows or podcasts or mm-hmm. interviews. Gives me a little break from my hectic schedule. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're giving me a rest. Now you were your nickname is the Cowboy Goalie, but how do you end up uh, out south of Reno? Um, and what are you doing? What's going on with you? Well, you know, I got in the horse business. I, I went to school, became a certified horse dentist and a certified horse chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got recruited to this area by some veterinarians. And uh, I've been doing it, though, I don't know, 17, 18 years. And, uh, you know, I, I eventually I think I'd like to move to Montana. Mm, but okay. uh, right now, this isn't a bad area. It's four seasons, high altitude. So, you know, it's not too too different from Alberta where I grew up, but uh, yeah. it's a nice area. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So you've always been into it, uh, even when you were playing and everything else. You were always yeah. yeah. I've, I've always had I've always had horses. Uh, they've always been uh, kind of my hobby. I like to team rope. Um, you know, I, I yeah. still do a lot of things. Uh, you know, active with the cattle. I uh, work with some veterinarians doing vaccinations and all sorts of different different things so it keeps me active keeps me involved in the in the horse and cattle industry which is it's kind of fun for me it's more Mm -hmm. of a hobby sure but uh you know i've got into public speaking since my book came out Mm -hmm. and that's really really kept me busy i travel a lot but uh it seems like when i get home with my horse business i get slammed (laughs) so (laughs) Uh so it's it's always catch up but uh it keeps me uh it keeps me going keeps me active uh, I coached a little bit on a tier two junior team up at Lake Tahoe oh, uh, cool. this past year, so that kept me involved in the game. Yeah, you know, I've been out of, I've been out of the NHL for two seasons now, and uh, I thought, oh, what's gonna, you know, how is that gonna work? <laughs> yeah, I, I've always, always been in it, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been so busy. Uh, fortunately, it, 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 I haven't been hurting, and, and, and coaching with the kids uh, that gives me my fix. So I'd have to say life is pretty good. I've got a couple of buddies in Florida that own horses, and uh, their well, their wives love the horses, and they own some horses, and uh, they're always complaining about the cost, Clint. <clears throat> so, I'm sure for you it comes in handy. It seems like owning a horse isn't cheap. Well, it, it depends on how you're doing it too. If you're boarding, yeah, yeah, they're boarding it. Yeah, they're boarding it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. There's your problem right there. I'm lucky. <laughs> I, got, I got some property, and yep. basically they they graze the winter. I have to feed them and. Uh, uh, actually, I feed them in the summer too. To yeah, honest, yeah. If you get a little dry, but you know, uh, for me, it, it's pretty low cost, and and I, I make a living with the with the animals too. So I'm pretty lucky. Your uh, your book that came out, it's uh, down here. I live in the U.S. I'm from Canada, but it's a matter of inches in the U.S. But in uh, in Canada, it was the crazy game. What was the, what was the deal with the title? Well, it, it, you know, you, it, originally uh, the book was done with Harper Collins of mm-hmm. Canada. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they were the lead go to publisher. And then they, uh, 
the book got interest in the States, but the publisher in the States with this triumph, they weren't uh, crazy about the crazy game <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. So, so they encouraged me to uh, change it, and we we went round and round with a few titles, and we settled on a matter of inches, probably because you know it's it's my my neck injury and yeah. uh, you know a few close calls. Uh, my life has been a matter of inches too. So um, you know, I, I, it, it it it's it is what it is, and uh, it's, the book's doing really well in Canada. It's doing okay in the states. Obviously, being a hockey book, it's not going to yeah. Uh, yeah do as well as north of the border, but uh, no complaints. I've uh, got great feedback, which is very, uh, you know, to write the book, I'll tell you, Steve, it was so hard for me to write that book because I went uh, through my life, through my struggles, mm-hmm. through a suicide attempt, um, you know, depression, anxiety, all these mental illnesses that I've struggled with. And, uh, you know, I'd done the therapy and everybody says, it must have been therapeutic to write the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it wasn't. It probably could have been, but I I'd done the therapy and worked really hard on on healing, and it was opening up all these wounds. And I got to give uh, Dan Robson, who was the uh, co-author, uh, credit because he was the one who encouraged me with his questions, like saying, "What were you thinking at that time? And, and what were you feeling?" And I I started to have to really go back into those deep dark places, which is really difficult. But it's what what's made the book successful is because people can uh, relate to some of my struggles and going you know as deep yeah. as I did. It's very it's a very it's, raw book. It is. It's a heavy read. There's no doubt. <laughs> um, and and well, yeah, you for for, for, a guy, for a guy like me that can barely read <laughs> to say <laughs> I actually wrote a book is pretty. Cool. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah, you're. Yeah, I. I think everything made the book a good and bad for you and your life. You know what I mean? There wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't polished. It wasn't varnished. You laid it all out there. And like, you know, it's been a few years since I read it. I was actually trying to find it in my house here before I did this podcast. Cause I'm like, I got to brush up on this and I think it's gone. I don't know what happened, Clint, but I'm going to buy another copy. Um, but yeah, you're, uh, you're not scared to put it out there. And, and in a way though, um, I imagine when you did you, when you do these speaking tours, when you uh, did the book signings, when it first came out, you probably met some people along the way that were very thankful that you wrote that book, even though the struggles you went through after it was done, that had to feel pretty good. Well, that's what's, what, what, what has been so gratifying. As hard as the book was to write, uh, now with the feedback and, and when I speak and people coming up, and, and especially when I get emails, I even put my email in the back of the book. And okay. I did it for a reason because yep. I, knew, I knew it would help people, but I didn't know it would impact people. You know, mm-hmm. like the feedback, it, it's so gratifying. And, and you'd be very surprised at some of the people that have written me. Uh, you'd know their names. Yep. Uh, they face similar struggles. And I'm talking current uh, professional athletes and, and that are still playing. Wow, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and for them to email me and say, hey, thank you, because now I don't feel so alone. Or, you know, I thought I was the only one and, and things like, well, no one was as bad as me. And, and so it, it's been uh, very, very gratifying to hear that kind of kind of feedback. And for, um, I imagine you're sober now and been been that way for a number of years. It's 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 you're back up on your feet and and, and yeah, yeah. Um, that that that's been a, that's been a you know there's a huge correlation between mental illness mm-hmm. and and uh, you know alcoholism or, or substance abuse. I yep. say in my in my case, my choice was alcohol. But uh, and the problem with that is you know for me, I wanted to, alcohol numbed my, my brain, it numbed the OCD obsessive compulsive disorder, it mm-hmm. numbed the anxiety, or it even lifted me up when I was really depressed. So it worked for a while and then you're chasing, it doesn't work. So you drink more and it just quits working. So you just keep drinking, hoping you can get relief. Yeah. And before you know it, now you've got two problems. You're, you've got mental illness and alcoholism. So, I had to uh, battle both to get back on my feet. Yeah, in my sport that I cover for a living, at uh, first I was a, a rider that uh, couldn't make it, wasn't good enough, and then I became a mechanic for a long time, and now a media guy in the last uh, maybe 10 years in the sport. I've been covering the races for 20 in one form or another. Um, we have an issue. Young riders, right, they're all young athletes. They're, they're coming in when they're 16, 17. Injuries happen a lot in dirt bike racing. It's a very dangerous sport, and we have – uh, pill problems, oxycotons, and uh, and then yep. w- when that happens, uh, when you can't get those, you turn to heroin because it's cheaper, and it's it's oh, definitely wow. it's definitely destroyed a few lives in our sport, and it's something that I just did a 
a show on, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago about it. And there's a couple of people trying to help people, but it's a quiet issue in the professional sports uh, over here on my side of things. And so it's very real, you know, and uh, well, uh, it happens. I am. I, I'm familiar with the sport because my daughter uh, uh, dates one of these maniacs. And I'll tell you <laughs> what, you guys, you guys are ripped. I mean, the, the, uh, I didn't realize. I thought, oh, you get on a motorcycle, you know. Yeah. No way. I mean, the tension on the muscles the whole oh, time yeah. and yeah. jumps and turns. These guys are are really in great shape, and uh, they're lean and mm-hmm. and really uh, fine tuned muscular wise. Yeah, but the problem is, like you said, the injuries are 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 awful. He just tore up his elbow real bad. Had surgery. He's bionic in the elbow now. You know. <laughs> and so I, I understand how the the painkillers could, uh, you know, be in that sport, like like most physical sports, mm-hmm. but I could yeah. really see it in that one. Yeah, really it happens a lot, and you're right. The guys are are in great shape. There's been uh, tons of studies done. Their heart rates are, are very high for a long amount of time. Um, but um, anyways, back to you. Um, so you're, like you said, you're a goalie coach for uh, Florida. You're a goalie coach for Calgary, Columbus. Do you want to get back in in that level? Is that something you're looking forward to? I mean, you're taking a break now, but – Ultimately, would you like to get back in the game? You know, I don't think so. I, <laughs> no. I, just, no, I, I really don't. You know, it's it, it for me. It was uh, I was always gone. Mm-hmm. My wife stayed stayed in Nevada on the ranch and ran things here. Uh, so that was always tough being apart. You know, I'd be gone a whole winter. You know, sure. You know, and you're not you're not talking just the winter months. You're talking from training camp all the way. And if you make the playoffs, it could be you know middle middle of June. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really hard. It was hard to run my horse business. Uh, so put it this way, I, as busy as I am, I haven't really had a chance. And I still follow the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a fan now. It's the first time I've really been able to be just a fan rather than analyzing yeah. and, and, you know, being involved that way. So it's kind of fun for me. Um, I can't, I, you know, just with the way things are going with the book and the public speaking, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. Uh, you know, the game's great. I'd love, mm-hmm. I'd love to be involved with the kids and especially the junior age. I love that mm-hmm. age. They're sponges and they like to learn. So uh, we'll see what, what, you know, what, yeah. what goes down the road. You'd never say never, No, but uh, right, right now I, I, I'm pretty content. I've got to know, uh, Jamie McLennan a little bit through uh, Ferraro, who's goalie coach probably after you, right? I would think in Calgary or maybe no, he was before me. He was before me. Oh, before you. And you know, he, now he does the TSN radio thing and he was telling me, man, the hours are just, just insane. And he, well, uh, yeah, he just, yeah. he just thought that it was, it wasn't very good for family life and and everything else. And, and I'm sure you, you found the same thing. Well, you're married to the game for sure. Yep. People think, well, you show up at practice and you show up at games. Uh, the hours that coaches put in, I mean, you're there usually at seven o'clock in the morning. And if it's a game day, a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches will stay there the whole day Jeez. and the game will finish. And, you know, so they're getting home at midnight. Those are long days, long hours. Then you're jumping on a plane. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. constant go, go, go. But the, the coach is definitely uh, people that aren't familiar. I'm telling you, there is a lot of hours into it. You, you, you don't just show up and, you know, yeah. practice. You're, you're there hours before and hours after, and you're always going over uh, video of teams. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's endless. It, um me and me in Vegas here. It uh, looks like we're going to get an NHL team in June. Uh, L signs point towards that. I've got a, a season a deposit on half season tickets here at the new arena they've got. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. Now you played here for the Las Vegas uh, Thunder. What? Yeah, Thunder. And uh, then yeah. you coached and managed here in Vegas, so you spent some time here. What's your thoughts on Vegas probably getting a team? I mean, it's a lot bigger when you uh, were well, here, but what, well, do you, what do you think? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, uh, last summer when the, you know this all started in the talk, I was getting uh, a lot of interviews because Quebec and Vegas were the big True. Topics, yeah, right? yeah, I guess so, right? And, yeah. and, and, and I, I'm one of the few guys if, if, <laughs> if, I don't, that I know that have played in both markets. Yeah. So a lot of the media was contacting me and saying, hey, what do you think? Vegas, what do you think? Yeah, Quebec, yeah. Or right. what do you think? Both. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, you know, Quebec, obviously, that's a hockey area, hockey market. That's a no-brainer. Yep. Uh, and everybody's questioned, eh, hockey in the desert, hockey in a gambling town. There's so much to do, the competition uh, for the for the entertainment dollar. 
Uh, I'll tell you what. When I was there with the Las Vegas Thunder, it was in the IHL, mm-hmm. and that was that was the equivalent of the AHL at the time. Yep. I mean, it was uh, you know AAA, and we drew probably well, I'd say six to eight thousand on weeknights, and on on weekends we sold out. And you know, later on that kind of declined a little bit, and I mm-hmm. think there was some some reasons that weren't really related to the team. Uh, there was rumor of them uh, moving and or, or 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 joining the HL. So, anyways, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but my time there, attendance was great, and mm-hmm. that was at the AAA level, not the NHL level. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, to me, to me, I think it's it, it's a great market. It it's been waiting there, and for pro sports, and I think the NHL will be the first, and and I think it'll be a, a huge success. And uh, did you guys play out of Rancho, or where did you play? Because the Wranglers no, played we, out of Orleans. But right, we we were at the Thomas and Mack Center. Oh, you were? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know that's a big building. Absolutely, and, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we and we drew we drew very well. We were very popular in town, and we were very strong in the community as well. We marketed. We went out. And we went to schools as players and signed autographs. And, and uh, we were very, very well received. We were on the radio doing morning shows, all sorts of stuff. It was a lot of fun, but we were really, really well received for a minor pro team. You know, yeah. Uh, again, AAA, you're one step below the NHL, but you're still not the NHL. We were very, very well received. So, you know, answering the questions uh, on will it go in Vegas mm-hmm. and if they get the green light, I think it's, I think it's going to be a, a remarkable success. And uh, your old uh, partner, Pokey Reddick, he's still here, by the way. He's still living here. So you played with him. You know, I was down there. We had a a junior uh, showcase tournament down there, and I'd heard he he was there for a long time, and then I heard he had left. So I'm glad to hear he's still there. Yeah, he's still around, still kicking around. So I I, I talk to him every now and then. the, and also, too, this was uh, the, so you're in the IHL, and about half the IHL teams had NHL affiliates, and about half the AHL then, back then. It was, like you said, right. it was on par with the AHL, and it was looked upon. But the Vegas Thunder was one of those teams that would get Yashin or Bonk or some, you know, some. <laughs> Coo, didn't Cujo play for a little bit at yes, one point? Yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, oh, it was like uh, a place players. Yeah. yeah, when they had holdouts, they, they, they said, I want to go to Vegas. <laughs> Well, we, we had a great GM, Bob Strong, who was uh, the GM, and he he uh, he worked hard at getting big names. We had, like you said, Yash and Bonk, uh, Pavel Dimitra, uh, Ruslan Soleil. Um, I I I could go on and yeah. on, like you said, Cujo, uh, Peter Ing, uh, <laughs> you know, Pokey Reddick, uh, you know, guys. But there were some big names. I, I yeah. you know, just to name a few, we did. But uh, there was even some more. Yeah, it was funny. It was like any player that had a bit of a contract issue, they're like, you know what? I'm going to go play in Vegas. Be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, That's so true. But for you, like this, you know, reading your book, your accident with Steve Tuttle uh, when you were in Buffalo, cut your jugular. Everybody knows that it's it's everywhere. That 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 footage, you you can't escape that footage, huh, Clint? Like not if you try. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like what twenty seven years later, <laughs> right? and it's still like Google Google my name and I had, the, the video. Hey, I had somebody. Right I'm into motocross, and and I'm the Canadian guy walking around the motocross pits. I had somebody six months ago come up to me and go, dude. Did you did you see this goalie that got caught? Like I was was on some sort of like horror show or something, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I know all about it. You know what I mean? Like like this was six months ago. This it was on TV for something, you know. Um, and, and this guy just this guy knew nothing about hockey, but he saw your accident. So, um, yeah. But anyways, back to what I was going to say. So. You know, in your book, you kind of speak about how that accident triggered a lot of things for you as far as uh, the drinking and, and, and substance abuse and issues in your life. So coming to Vegas at that time probably wasn't great for you, huh? No, actually, uh, Vegas was pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I really struggled for a couple years after the accident. Uh, you know, now now they call it PTSD, and at the time, yeah. I, I you know. I just, uh, I was getting anxious and depressed, and it, I mean, really severely. Mm-hmm. And my obsessive compulsive disorder, which I was prone to anyways, was, all, you know, it was hard for me to even leave the house. And I was seeing different doctors, uh, all sorts of medications, and my clinician. So I went to San Diego of the IHL, and I saw their specialist. He got me just. Uh, feeling great uh-huh. and probably the first time in my life I really felt normal thinking about it 
And I had, you know, I had started with the alcohol to uh, self-medicate. Mm-hmm. And so next year I went to Vegas, things are going good. And I went, oh, hang on. I, I, I'm still drinking. I feel great mentally yep. and emotionally, but uh, now I got this drinking thing. So <laughs> here I am in Vegas. Here I am in Las Vegas, and I, I started. Uh, I, I, I quit drinking, and I, uh, I, you know, that was something that uh, mm-hmm. that was, you know, I had to do. And, and like you said, <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. There's, there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no clock. There's no clocks. And my first training camp there. I was like, oh boy, you know, all of a sudden, there's no clocks in this bar or this casino or anything, and uh, so I had to, I had to address that issue, and it's a good thing I did. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, sometimes, like, look, the book was really good and deep, and and I'm sure, like, you do this speaking to people who who don't know you. Besides the fact that you were a former NHL goalie, but I'm, I'm 41 years old, and I remember the prime of your career. You were a, a good starting goalie on some good Quebec and or emerging Quebec teams and some good capital teams. And um, like I said, you were a very good goalie for a number of years. Between the accident and then these people that you're speaking to about other things in your life, it, it kind of I feel not I don't feel bad for you, Clint, but I, it's like you, you the fact that you were a very very good NHL goalie, and when you consider that you were drafted, uh, what fourth round? Yeah, fourth round. Yeah. Like you had a nice career. It must suck sometimes because people don't want to talk about your actual career, and um, you know, and 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 the good things you did, which I'm going to do in a second here. But you're overshadowed a little bit with all the other stuff. Yeah, I am, but not really because you know what? There's a lot of players that had similar careers, similar numbers. Uh, similar games played and average and, and statistic, all that, all that. But you know what? I'm remembered, and it's because of the injury. And I'm also remembered because of my recovery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a personal side of, uh, to it, too, that gives people, you know, some hope yeah. if they're struggling and things like that. So, yeah, I know what you're saying, and, uh, you know, you're being uh, you're being very kind, <laughs> too. I mean, I was an okay goalie. I, I had an okay career, um, you know. It's better than some and certainly not as good as some others. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and, and I get asked the question now, too, uh, that, that I'm, my life is so public with my with my struggles that do I sometimes think that, you know, or, or have some anger issues where, you know, God, if I wasn't so ill, uh, could I have been a better goaltender? And I, I answer that by saying, you know, yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. that crosses my mind, but other times, you know, that OCD, uh, it makes, it, it focuses, it, you know, I was so true, uh, yeah. regimented, regimented and I worked so hard and repetitiously to get things right. I think obsessive compulsive disorder helped me get to the NHL. Eventually, yeah, it ended my career, but it, yeah. it probably made me a better goalie in some ways too. Yeah, really, right? You're like, hey, I'm going to drink this. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to practice this drill until I have it, ex- you know, perfect and everything else. Um, and I, I, I was a bit ahead of the uh, the workout uh, game too. Uh, guys weren't really working out when I first broke in the league, and I was. I was already because of my obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. disorder. I was already working out crazy in the off season, um, you know, working out more like they do nowadays. Uh, you know, because these guys nowadays they they're per, I mean they work hard off the ice uh, mm-hmm. before practice. They got stretching and all sorts of warm up drills, and after practice is usually a weight circuit and uh, bikes and you know all sorts of uh, things that they're doing now. And I I was I was doing that back in you know the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. If the accident never happens, I mean, you just talked a little bit about the OCD and how it drove you to be a good goalie. If the accident never happens, how does the rest of your career turn out, do you think? I mean, I don't know if it's something you think about much. but Well, that's a great question, Steve, because, you know, I, I, I've learned so much since then, mm-hmm. you know, that that what trauma can do, you know, obviously you're, uh, that was a very traumatic thing when I cut my judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, you think you're dying. And it, it really affects you. And what happens, you, you're affected mentally and, and, and also like uh, physiologically, everything. And I, I even have to now be conscious of the anniversary. I started really, huh? this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh. I, this last uh, March 22nd, right around that time, I didn't sleep for three days. And I went, what the heck? And I wasn't tired. Yeah, I was just, yeah. 
and, and your body remembers and your mind remembers, even though you're not consciously thinking. And I went, oh, yeah, it's the end because I learned this from a psychologist. Oh, yeah, it's my anniversary. So I thought, okay, no big deal. I'm not sleeping. You know, move on. And to be conscious of it is so important. And, yeah, but, you know, after the accident, uh, probably being predisposed. I know, I, you know, I struggled with OCD and anxiety and depression before the accident, but the trauma of the accident really made things spiral downward. Mm-hmm. And not, not knowing anything, anything about this back then, yep. I just uh, thought, well, and the, and the nightmares, I kept waking up uh, seeing that skate come up. And, you know, basically it's PTSD. And back yeah, then... Yeah. Uh, you know, you just thought, well, don't tell anybody. Don't think <laughs> yeah. you're weak. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, right. you're supposed to be strong. And you know, now I realize it's not. You're not. You're not weak. You're you're injured mentally or sick. And you know, we've come a long ways now, obviously. But uh, mm-hmm. back then, uh, I was pretty secretive about it for a long time. Just holding it in. You get drafted by Quebec in the fourth round. It takes you a while to make it as a regular. You play for Fredericton for a few years. Um, you finally get to Quebec. It's a, it's a pretty good team, decent team anyways. Um, and you're, Actually, it's funny because your, ba- your backups are a couple of French guys like Bouchard and Sevigny, which I don't know how that went over in Quebec. But <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but when you, when you got established as a starter and started playing games, uh, they traded you in the summer to the Caps in a big trade for Dale, with Dale Hunter. Did you know that was coming? Was it pretty shocking? Did you think you were kind of set with Quebec? Well, yeah, because I, I was basically, uh, I think that year I made the all-star team, and it was a summer at the draft table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, but it was a big deal. I mean, I was totally surprised. I got the call, and I was actually going to a baseball game and a tournament that I was playing in, okay. and the guys were there going, hey, you got traded. I heard it on the radio. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> And then my it was before cell phones, and uh, so I got I went to a payphone and called uh, called my mom, and she said, "Yeah, you better call." Uh, uh, I think it was David Poyle. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. in Washington, the GM, and <laughs> so I got traded, and uh, yeah, that was a big deal. I tell everybody I was traded for Joe Sackett. Yeah, because the first uh, yeah first pick, right? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was first pick, but I, of course I don't tell him. Bill <laughs> Hunter was involved in about ten other players. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? it was a big deal when it happened. I remember it was a big trade, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, which like, that happened more and more than than today's NHL for sure, with no cap and all that. Um, and then a couple of years in Washington, and you play pretty well, and you guys have a good team. Um, what do you remember about your time in Washington for those two years? Well, I had, uh, you know, I think I was, I think I was traded there to back up Pete Peters, and um, you know, we we kind of battled one one year. I think I played fifty four games, mm-hmm. uh, so I was kind of the number one that season, and that was a shock too because it was it was right before the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and you know, and I get traded to Buffalo, and you know, I, again, I was, you know, my numbers were good, so yeah. both times I. I had no idea, no idea. I was getting traded. You just just and, when you're playing, uh, just when you're playing well, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm good. I got a home. I'm playing well. <laughs> yeah, never never think that. I eh? yeah. never buy a home yeah. either. It's just a death. <laughs> I know. Dave Mackel, <laughs> Dave Mackel went told me about getting traded four times in a year, and he kept getting apartments, and it was just horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. So both times I got traded, I was pretty shocked, and and Buffalo going from you know from uh, Buffalo is in need of a goalie. Darren Poop had a broken arm. Mm-hmm. Um, the team was uh, struggling. I, I don't know if they made the trade to, uh, you know, just shake it up, or, or you know, they needed mm-hmm. they needed somebody to replace Poopa. And things I got traded there, and things went great. I mean, it was one of those things where I was just playing the best of my career. Um, you know, the team started winning, so you feel you know. My yeah. first game, we went to uh, Madison Square Gardens. I started off with a shutout, and and so things really were were going great. And then it was about three weeks in in with Buffalo, and I cut my neck. Yeah, and and that was a story in itself because I came back so quick. And Buffalo yeah. is a blue collar sports town. They love their sports, and they lo- I basically I came back quick, and I epitomized everything Buffalo loves in an athlete. Yeah. You know, coming back quick, the gritty, blue collar type player, and they they still embraced me and supported me with my comeback. And I think I rolled that. I came back quick, and I rolled that adrenaline through the rest of the season, which wasn't that long, mm-hmm. and the playoffs. 
and and it was the following year where I started to um, and and not not knowing, but now I look back and go, that's where I really started to struggle with my my anxiety and my depression and OCD. It started and it got worse and worse and worse. Those uh, saber teams you were on. Um, you- Man, they were loaded. They didn't play a lot of defense. Um, they, they had Howard Chuck and Turgeon and Andrew Chuck McGillney and Vive. Like, they could score. Yeah. I remember that. It was a hugely massive offensive team. And maybe sometimes they left you all alone in the, in the odd <laughs> way back there. Well, we had uh, Mike Ramsey, who was pretty pretty good uh, stay-at-home yeah. defenseman. Uh, Phil Housley, who was, you know, kind of an offensive-type yeah. type defenseman. And, uh, yeah, Doug Bodger. Um, and, and, but man, we had some players up front oh, yeah. named some, and we were pretty dynamic. And, but, and I think we finished third overall one year there, um, which was pretty good. Facing them in practice every day, you're just like, oh, geez, here we go. McGill, yeah, no McGill, me, laugh on time. McGill, me back then, he was a rookie, you know, yeah. when I first, uh, when he, when I was first in Buffalo with him, and, and he was a funny kind of guy because, you know, Russians have that, uh, attitude sometimes and in practice. He'd skate in. He'd just barely get over the blue line. He'd just kind of take a flipping wrist shot at you, you know, and <laughs> yeah, skate yeah. to the corner. And the coach is like, "Well, what the heck is that?" Because you know, you know, he could shoot it, and yeah. the guy could fly. Yep. You know, or like what? And then he had the phobia about flying for a long That's time. That's right. There too. Yeah. He would take he would take limousines like to St. Louis from Buffalo, and, and we'd fly, and he'd, <laughs> yeah. he'd meet the team there. It was it was crazy. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's Power Play Whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go. Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the Power Play Board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front. Removable, long-lasting, air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these Power Play whiteboards and check them out. Use the code PULP at writeyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your Power Play board. All right, back to the show. Yeah, I guess it was nuts because, yeah, he defected, right? So this, there was a bit of a circus atmosphere probably around the Sabres for a few weeks. Yeah, and he he was young. He didn't know the language. Yeah. I kind of felt bad for you know yeah. for him, too. But uh, you could see he was a little overwhelmed with everything that was going on. He could play. Same with LaFontaine. Jeez. Hey, yeah. They could yeah. skate, shoot. Um, which which stretch of time do you think, uh, I'm guessing maybe capital time or, or, like you said, Sabre time, were you playing the best when you when you were in Buffalo? Do you think, or, or was it the Capitals? Because in Capitals, you had a good record and a good team. Also, like when do you think you were playing at your te- at your peak? You know, you've always had stretches. I had a stretch in Quebec. Uh, you know, that was pretty good run. Um, you know, two shutouts in a row, which was kind of like a highlight. You know, back to back games against Boston, things like that. You remember, you get on a hot streak, NHL Player of the Week, and you know, you remember those kind of highlights of. Especially my career wasn't, you know, like Grant Fear or anything. But mm-hmm. so those are special times with me. I would say right before I got injured, I was pretty much in that zone, as they call it. Right. And it, it, because it, in uh, in Washington, we had such good D that, uh, y- you know, mm-hmm. you didn't feel like you influenced, even though my numbers were great. Yep. I had a low goals against average, and I led the league. <laughs> me and Grant Fear <laughs> led the league. In shutouts one year. Guess what that total was? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I got the record. I got, uh, four. It, 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 four. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy, that, right? Well, Jeez. They get the, yeah, they get that in a week now. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but, you know yeah, that, our, our D in Washington was uh, Langway, uh, Scott Stevens, Kevin Hatcher. Hatcher yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, Larry Murphy. I mean, come on. We yeah. had a good D. So, <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, going to Buffalo. Going to Buffalo, like you said, uh, you know, the D wasn't quite as uh, strong as that. So right. I felt that stretch there was pretty good for me in Buffalo. Right, right. Um, how do you feel about the goaltending equipment? It's a huge debate. And obviously, like, you know, you coaching uh, uh, Luongo, he's one of the guys that, I mean, he just looks, he's not all, he, has, he doesn't have super big equipment, but the size of goalies now compared to when you played, um, they're huge. The equipment has gotten kind of out of line. And there's talk about limiting goalie equipment. And um, what's your thoughts on that as a former goalie coach, former NHL goalie? Well, now that I'm out of the game, I can be a little more, I guess, 
honest about it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's, I I look at the goalies now. Yeah, you're right. They are bigger. They are. are, I was big. I, you know, I'm six, I'm six feet and I was considered a big goalie back then. You know, the rest of them were like Mike Vernon and Greg Millen and then, you know, smaller guys. You had a few big guys like Mike Liute and, and Sean Burke, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was I was considered a, a pretty big goalie, and uh, you know now they're all six four, yeah. six five, six six, six and, right? And, yeah, and, and and the equipment uh, it seems like it is so big. I mean, you just don't you don't see the net, mm-hmm. and you know I'm not taking anything away from the goalies. Uh, you know, one time a guy asked, he said, "But the goalies uh, today, or could could the goalies of my era play in today's game?" Uh, you know, almost like, well, they're so you're saying, hey, they're so much better than you guys were. And I, I always throw this out. I go, well, could the goalies today play back when we played? Because I'll tell you what, those pucks hurt. Yeah. Uh, the upper, yeah. the upper body gear. Uh, they, they call it felt. You know, that was the yeah. padding was felt. <laughs> yeah. We call it felt because you felt every shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. You know, you know, it was a badge of honor because you were all bruised up, and and you'd be in the shower with the guys, and they'd look at you and point at the bruises, going, "Yeah, I gave you that one today." <laughs> I, you know, and it was like, you know, yeah. you, you had to be pretty courageous, and, and and so I. But the goalies are better today; they're bigger, they're more athletic. I think uh, mm-hmm. the, the game with the butterfly and all the technique. I mean. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's evolved. The position has really evolved. And and with coaching especially, you know, these guys are so good technically. But uh, I really I really think the uh, – you know what I – you know what they always say, should they reduce the goalie equipment? Should, you know, they're trying to increase – Increase scoring. Scoring, right? Should they make Should they make the nets bigger? Should they do that? Uh-huh. I, I think this is what I. And it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you know, guys could run interference on 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 us as goalies back then. They could stand in the crease, and and it was fair game to whack them. We could yeah. flash them. We wouldn't get a penalty. You know, uh, that was kind of like if they came in the crease, you could whack them. But they could come in the crease, and if they scored, the guy was in the crease. It, it was a. It, it, I don't know if the rules said it wasn't supposed to, but they ignored <laughs> that. It, the yeah. goal stood. It right. was a good goal. I think that they should allow uh, traffic, and you know, you don't want guys running over the goalie. But now you can't even touch them. No, nope. and you know, it's video replay, and 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 you know, if you want to increase scoring, get get these guys. They're allowed to go in the paint. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not. You got to have limits of what what a what a player can do. But uh, you know, we we could be impeded from coming out of the net because a guy was standing right in front of us. I mean, it's just yeah. And now, and now it's a penalty or a disallowed goal or both. And um, that's how you would increase scoring. You know, the game in the eighties. You know, you watch a guy like Grant Fear with Edmonton. Uh, you know, the guy was so good. Mm-hmm. They'd win six to five. He led in five goals. Uh, the games were six five five four. And you saw breakaways both ways. You saw great saves. You saw, you know, yeah. ten or eleven goals, ten or eleven goals throughout the game, and three fights. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a, it was. I thought the game was very, very entertaining back then. I agree. And yeah, now, I agree. And now, 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 there's so much impediment on, you know, on players and interference, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, to me, it's kind of like basketball. The whistle blows. Uh, one time, I, when I was in Calgary, they started bringing in. I was coaching, and I'm in the press box and watching a game, and there's five of us up there. The you know, GM, assistant GM, right. goalie coach, assistant coach on the headset. And there was penalties being called. We look on the replay, and we're going. I can't see it. We look at each other. What happened? What, 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 what? Come on, we're we're hockey guys. We're supposed to know this. Yeah. And it was it was hard because it was like a foul for in basketball. The whistle blows and and the play stops. I was like, what the heck is that? Yeah, it's and also too like Ferraro's told me like he accidentally blocked shots back in his day. You know what I mean? It, he just accidentally got in the way of shots. He did not mean to. He did not want to block shots. Well, nowadays, no, thanks to coaching, they're, yeah, they're all blocking shots. It's insane, you know. Yeah, um, and and so. their their equipment too is much better. Yep. You know, the shin pads and and that, so they can block more shots. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so equipment is an issue yeah, to me. Um, and the guy, I'm not taking any. These guys are great goalies. They're better yeah. than we were. But but you know, let's. Uh, 
you know, let's go back to a little more athleticism where they have to, because, and reflex. I yep. mean, Grant Fear was so quick, you know. Yeah. And, and, and these guys now, they don't have, doesn't look like they have to be quick because pucks hit them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, part, part of that, great positioning, but part of it's uh, the equipment, too. Did one of these with Rick St. Croix a little while back. Goalie coach, former NHL goalie himself, and a goalie coach for a number of teams. Now he's consultant for the Jets. He talked about he was with uh, Belfour in 99 when Dallas won the Cup. And he was uh, he was with Eddie, and, I mean, he was making no bones about it. He's like, I didn't coach Eddie anything. I ran some drills. My my job was with, you know, Turco and the backups and the, the guys in the minors and everything else. He's like, Eddie, I left alone. I just said, how you doing? And, uh, you know, that's it. Um, when you're coaching Luongo or Kippersoff, is that the same kind of approach you took where you're like, look, dude, I'm not going to reinvent your game. Um, you're a damn good goalie. I'll, I'll be here for you, anything else. But, you know, in some ways it makes your job easier, I guess. I think that, uh, well, first of all, Luongo, when I had him in Florida, he was he was young. He'd only been in the league a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. yeah. So he was young. So, there, you know, we worked on some refinement, you know, on mm-hmm. drills, uh, I, I tried to get his positioning uh, when he pushed off to be set, like A to B, but be there, be there, be set for the shot. Don't be moving still. Mm-hmm. So power, power, you know, pushing off, getting good push, and, and getting set for the for the shot. Now, <laughs> Kiprasov, I had him at the end of his career. All I was was a uh, <laughs> an elite. Uh, and a, 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 a liaison between uh, the coach and yeah. coach and and Kipper, Kipper yeah, <laughs> uh, you know for for because Dude, he was low maintenance, had, huh? He was low maintenance. Just... Oh God, yeah. And what am, what am I going to teach him? Come right. on, you know, <laughs> uh, we did we we did drills, you know, to keep them, you know, yeah. conditioned and, and things like that. We go over goals after games, you know, video a little bit and that. But I I I let Kipper manage his own game. I was I was the guy that could go to the head coach and say, Hey, Kipper needs a day off. I think we should play the backup up coming up here. We got to look at the schedule, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it's funny. Bob Hartley and, and Kipper. I don't know if they really got along that good. So I was kind of like the fireman. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but he really but, means but, this, Kipper. He does. He didn't mean that. He meant this. He really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, right, yeah, right, Clint. I know. Yeah. What you mean. I, 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 Kipper. I love the stories Kipper of Kippers was, off. Uh, I love the stories of Kippers off uh, lighting up a cigarette in between periods. Boy, well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't smoke when I was there. He had quit. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had heard that. But you know, he was he was like a real funny guy. Mm-hmm. The media never got you know. He's I heard that. Quiet. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Once you you got to gain his trust and inside that locker room where he trusted the guys and and once you trusted me, oh my God, it was like. But then you're open. You're open game for. He's a real practical joker. Mm-hmm. And and Bob Hartley would you know we'd do the power play. So Bob would go out to the slot in front of the net in the crease area. And push all the snow into the net to kind of clear the you know the yeah, ice yeah. up right, for the right. power play drill. And Bob would be skating back, and Kipper would be throwing it all back out there. And Bob would turn around and talk to that guy, talk to that Kipper. <laughs> and so I go over to Kipper. I tell Kipper, Kipper, we and Kipper would be just laughing. Would, I get, I'm getting you, you, you're young, getting yelled at. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, real, um, real character. Yeah, I heard like he almost, he almost acted like he didn't speak English that well in front of the media. And then as soon as they were gone, he's just like laughing and joking, and like he just didn't want it. He's a Finn. Like a lot of Finns are like that. I know Finnish motocross yeah. racers. Um, they're the same way. They don't want to bring attention to themselves. They're good guys. They like to drink their asses off. Uh, you know when they're not racing yeah. or, or, or or playing, and then yeah. that's it they they're not into it like, well, yeah and, and and that's that's true their culture uh mm-hmm. and Kip, kipper uh it was funny because johan hedberg uh i think he's a swede, swede. yeah he's he, a swede yeah yeah he played with kipper in uh, i think it was kentucky with they were both in san jose mm-hmm. uh, system and he said he played with kipper for two years and the coach Never knew that Kipper could speak a word of English and Kipper could speak perfect English. <laughs> That's funny. Um, when you're a goalie coach in the league, uh, and uh, I didn't ask uh, Noodles this, I probably should have, but um, in, you know, in my sport, if you're the mechanic or a team manager and the, 
the rider is underperforming. Um, sometimes you you know you get some flack because the rider is, isn't performing as well as everyone thinks he should for whatever reason. You don't have a huge part in it. You have a little bit of part in it, but the main thing rides less rest with this rider. When you're a goalie coach, do you have if you're struggling if things aren't going right? Does the GM slash coach? I mean, are they on you specifically as a goalie coach to to quote unquote turn your guys around? Like, do you feel pressure like that? Absolutely, absolutely. And some GMs and and head coaches are uh, a lot more emotional, so that that comes towards you. Yeah, right. Um, and, and it's hard because you take it per- for me. I really took it personal and. When, when the goalie had a bad game, I felt, oh, you know, I didn't yeah, do yeah. my job, you know. And realistically, it, you know, stop bad goals, bad games happens as mm-hmm. part of the sport. And for me, that was that's the hardest part of the game when you got a guy struggling and you take you take a lot of the heat verbally, um, but a lot of it's just you caring so much that uh, you, you, which is a good thing. That's that's why you're in the NHL. But part of your job too, um, I felt was to if the, if the head coach is, is mad and upset and he's cussing at you about the goalie mm-hmm. and this and that, the, a good goalie coach will not take that emotion and all that to the goalie. Right. He, comes to the goal, he takes to the goalie what he takes is a calm demeanor, uh, relaxed, hey, we're going to work, let's, let's look at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you did this right, this right, this, this we got to work on, we'll work on it, we've got some drills. And you set up some drills and you work on it usually – that makes the goalie feel good about himself, and and he he uh, improves his play. Yeah, it would be tough sometimes when a guy's yelling at you to you know to uh, this and this and this, not to like bite back at the guy. But like you said, it's, it, you got to be rational and calm, and that's where work gets done. You know, when you're doing that. Yeah. Um, you worked hey, with Steve Mason. I, oh, I, 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 I had Mike Keenan. <laughs> oh, geez, that's true. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, yeah, in Florida with uh, Luongo. <laughs> right. So yeah, I know I. And, you know Ken Hitchcock. I had him. You know, yeah. yeah. It's emo- It's emotions. We all want to win. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I know that's okay. Uh, in Columbus, you were coaching Steve Mason. Of course, he won the Calder Trophy. Uh, terrific. And then since then, it's been ups and downs for him. He's in Philly now, and again, he's maybe never reached that level he did when he won the Calder. Uh, what's your thoughts on Mason and his career? How? How? The, uh, what about like working with him? And he's a big guy. And, and talk about big goalies. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's a big guy. Yeah. And if you look back in, in in goalie history, a lot of goalies too much too soon, too mm-hmm. much success too soon, yep. uh, not enough time in the American League or even the East Coast League. I think that's uh, uh, probably you know Mason. That that's kind of his story. He he uh, he had great success young, and yep. he didn't get he didn't get that two, three, four years in the American League to really work on his game. And you know everything went really well that first year, and and consequently uh, you're you're pushing uphill then, and mm-hmm. then you set a standard that might not be achievable again for uh, unless you're a mature, uh, well-rounded, physically, uh, technically, all those things, and you're you're not in the American League where the, you can really work on those things, right? And, and and the pressure isn't there to you know you you can work on these things, so yeah uh, for sure it's uh, and you can look uh, at some other goalies look at remember Steve Penny yeah yeah Steve Penny came in from Montreal you know, yeah 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 and and stood on his head in the playoffs and then after that it was it was downhill yeah and that's going back quite a few years I, I try and think of somebody more recent and. Um, um, yeah, they're, 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 um, they're, they're, uh, Andrew Raycroft or Jim Carrey. Um, there you go. A couple exactly. of guys. Yeah. And another guy, uh, I think his name was Moffat in Buffalo. Same thing, a playoff hero. Yeah. And, and like you said, Carrey, you know, and where do they go? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's almost, uh, and, and people think, wow, his rookie year comes in and, and playoff pressure and stands on his head like that. And then it's, it's downhill. Um, for yourself, uh, let's ra- we'll wrap this up here on the Paul Pocky Podcast with Clint Malarchuk, uh, best-selling author, former NHL goalie. It must sound pretty good when you say best-selling author, right? Um, yeah. For, <laughs> um, can't, can't read, but I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, really, right? You said you played in the All-Star game. Uh, what year was that, and what do you remember from it? 
That was 87, and it was the first year of fan balloting. The game, I was with Quebec, and the game was in Quebec, so nice. obviously right, the, yeah. the, bal- the, the ballot stuffing, stuffing. was on. <laughs> that's, how I got, that's how I got into the Ulster. And we played a two-game tournament against the Russians that year. Oh, yeah, rendezvous. And, right, rendezvous, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. rendezvous. And uh, there was, it, it was so cool for me because, you know, again, I, maybe I, you know, I didn't feel like I was a – uh, top ranked goalie, and, and I'm with uh, that year. We had Hextall and Sear were the other two goalies, and I'm with Gretzky, Lemieux, Howard, Chuck. I mean, Doug Wilson, all yeah. the NHL. Oh God, it was just for me. It was pretty, uh, pretty cool. That was uh, that, right? that was the goal that Kamensky scored. It was amazing. Uh, Valerie Kamensky yeah. scored against I think Fear, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, what was the uh, – do you remember one game that stood up for you as your best game that you can remember? Or like you said, they all kind of blend together. But was there one well, that, yeah, that stands you, up? You, you, have, you have some. I think my first game with the Sabres, it wasn't my best game. but You, you shut them out, yeah. In your, yep. your first game's a shutout. Uh, True. Back-to-back, uh, you know, when I'm on Quebec on Young, I think it was my first real full season with Quebec. Mm-hmm. We go into Boston Garden, which is a tough building back then, and we shut them out, and then we play at home and shut them out. Um, you know, the, the, that was, that's a very memorable time. Uh, you know, those, those times, you know, I, it was funny. I, back then they used to have player of the weeks and, mm-hmm. uh, I guess they still do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And I, you know, I, I've won that four or five times and, you know, to win it twice in a row. I mean, that's the whole NHL. Yeah, and here yeah, I yeah. am. Come on, Clint player of the week, two weeks in a row. I I'm mean, a fourth rounder. First, right. I got drafted in the fourth yeah, round. Right. Yeah, so you know, I've got some pretty good memories uh, of of that time. You know, did you ever get you frustrated? Know, I, did you ever get frustrated when you were back and forth at Fredericton a whole bunch early on, or was that all cool with you? Were there times where you were buried at no, all, or, or you were good with that? No, yep. I, I was pretty good. You know, the one thing, I, you know, there's breaks. The players get breaks, and of course, you have to take advantage of those breaks. Mm-hmm. My break was. Uh, was being drafted by uh, Quebec because they they had Dan Bouchard, yep, and they they had Michel Plass who was on the on the end of his deal. He was the backup. Mm-hmm. They traded for John Garrett, an older guy. So really, I was didn't have a lot of depth in at least prospect wise. Yeah. The thing is, I went I went to Fredericton in the first year. We had a, just a terrible team, and I saw a ton of shots. Yeah, a lot of games, played a lot of games, got a lot of experience, um, you know, and, and I was, I got a taste of the NHL up and down a bit, you know, so, mm-hmm. so we were talking about these guys that had all the success in the NHL their first year or two, and it hurts them down the road. I was fortunate because I didn't feel buried. I thought, I thought, you know, this is, this is when they, when they got Mario Gosselin out of, uh, the Olympics, uh-huh. uh, they drafted him, and then he came in, and I kind of, I, I felt a little jilted then, right? Because he went from the Olympics, uh, uh, brought him into Quebec, and he started playing, and I felt, ah, gee whiz, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we ended up being uh, goaltending partners later on, and in, in, you know, for a couple of years in Quebec, we got along great, and you know. It, 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 you know, he's a French Canadian getting yeah. to Quebec, and yeah. you, you can understand. Yeah, I guess you can understand that they're trying to sell tickets and everything yeah. else. And, uh, but that's the only time I felt a little bit jilted, I think. But you know what? I, I got over it. <laughs> like, well, like I was saying, beginning, like you, you at one point in Quebec, I was looking at the stats. Uh, Sevigny and Bouchard were your backups, or the other guys, and you're playing, you know, two out of three games. And there's a couple French Canadians sitting on the bench. So, um, you know, there's different things that. There's a different deal with playing in Montreal and Quebec, I think, over the years. You know, they they must have been injured. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you in the Good Friday brawl? Yes, I was. You were there. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure, but um... yeah, I was. I was dressed. I, I got called up from Fredericton. It was the playoff. Okay, and so I'm finishing the season with Quebec, and I'm. I, I guess they. I don't know why they dressed me, but they did. And I, yeah, I had a couple <laughs> dance partners. That was that was nuts. Uh, that was really scary for me because I liked to fight as I, you know, later on right. um, got older and, and realized, hey, this is, uh, but at the time, I'm a, and I thought, do I no, you're a you're Western, punch? You're a Western like, Canadian boy. You're a Western Canadian guy. That's yeah, what happens, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I was so intimidated, like, do I throw a punch or do I, you know, what do I do? So I was mostly <laughs> wrestling guys. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
but yeah, that was that, now I look back and I, I definitely would have started throwing them a lot sooner. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, but at the time you think, oh, am I going to hurt the team? Are they going to get a penalty? You know, yeah. you don't know. There's so, uh, that game is on uh, classic hockey on iTunes on the NHL vault, and it is just insane yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's hard to think that we'll ever see. Well, I mean, maybe if the Quebec team comes back. But I don't know if we'll ever see something like those mid-80s games between Montreal and Quebec. Yeah, uh, yeah that, it was intense. It, it was really intense. I mean, you could feel the energy in the city. Um, you could feel the energy when you went to Montreal. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was very intense. And the fans, I mean, it was a true rivalry. I mean, there was, there yeah. was hatred. And people were very loyal to either the, the Nordiques or the Canadians. And... Wow, it was it was pretty intense, and that that you, that's why I think the emotions ran so high in that brawl. Yeah, yeah, I bet that was part of it, right? Jeez, um, oh, for sure. best player you pl- ever played with? Is there a guy that stands? We talked about wow. McGillney a little bit and all that, but is there somebody who stands? Yeah, out? well, I, I I couldn't just say that I played with. Definitely the the one I the best I played against was Gretzky and Lemieux. Yeah, um, that that I played with. I, I would, I, you know, I played with Peter Stastny. I played with uh, Dale Howardchuck, Pierre yeah. Turgeon, yeah. Um, uh, Gartner. Michelle Goulet, Gartner. Michelle yeah. Goulet, Mike Gartner, yeah. you know, Scott Stevens, Rod Langway. I mean, I played with a lot of really good players. So, you know, you know, you know who I'd go to war with? Mm. Who, who is Dale Hunter? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet you oh, are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the guy, the guy, he's so gritty. That a lot of people uh, it overshadows how how well he could pass the puck. Yeah, I mean he he used to play with Michel Goulet and he used to set up Goulet all the time. Yeah, Goulet was a but fifty goal. Yeah, he's a fifty goal guy. Goulet was, yeah, 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 yeah. And and Hunter probably had a ton of those assists. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean he's he's a heart, heart and soul guy, a warrior. You know. Yeah. How about, <laughs> you know? How, about how about when he co- when he came back for the Caps and he was a coaching and he. And he just his press conferences. He hated talking to me. He didn't want to be there. He was pissed off all the time when they lost. It was, it was great. Uh, he, he's not a have a beer with him. That's oh, where he, yeah, you know, I know. But, but yeah, he's he's really uncomfortable with uh, with media. Yep. Um, you know, the, the Sutters aren't great with the media, and I know them. You know, all the yeah, Sutters obviously, like, yeah. You, yeah, watch, yeah. you 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 watch Daryl. <laughs> yeah, no, he's awesome. With, with, Oh yeah, it's fun to watch him because you can just tell he's just. Uh, and and <laughs> I, I feel bad for the reporter that asked kind of a, yeah. you know, not a great question. Daryl just <laughs> looks at him and kind there, of. Rah, rah. There was an in-game interview with him a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, and they were asking. He was trying to talk about the yellow dasher at the bottom of the boards. And he was like, the yellow line, the yellow line. And the reporter didn't know what he was talking about. And it was during the play, you know, <laughs> during the break and play on the bench. And he started yelling about the, uh, the other line, the yellow line. And it was just so oh, yeah. funny. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, uh, Gretzky and Lemieux, speaking of them, uh, that was one of my questions. Obviously, you played in the uh, Eastern Conference, so you saw a lot more of Mario. But which guy gave you more trouble? Uh, boy, they both did. I, <laughs> they I both just, did. I, I, you know. I tell everybody that uh, probably Gretzky because not just him, but he had that team, right, that whole right. Oiler team. I mean, when you started against that Oiler team, you, you just hoped you finished the game, you know, because they could light you up. <laughs> right. and, and but Gretzky, uh, you know, he'd feed Curry with the one timers, and you know the puck would be in and out before he could even move. And uh, Gretzky w- was not that good. He really wasn't that good until he played me. I gave him his confidence, and he took <laughs> off from there. <laughs> he started seeing all this net with you and Clint Malarczyk in the net. Yeah. The, yeah that's yeah. funny. Well, uh, Clint, thank you for uh, doing the Paul Pocky podcast. Uh, a nice career in the NHL. And, you know, the funny thing is. is hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You've gone from, uh, oh, this guy was great. Now I, I finally got you to admit <laughs> it was just nice, a nice career. No, you, you were great. I remember at to- I remember you, you. Look, you were a number uh, one goalie in the NHL for uh, uh, a few teams. And if you're a number one goalie, not just a backup, a number one guy playing over 50 games, then you're really good at hockey. Well, so. you, know, you know how I look at it, Steve. You know what? There's 21 teams back there. Yeah, so true. Yep. You, you know, two goalies on a team, you do the math. So I'm kind of proud. That no, you should be. The, Absolutely. That, um, got the, 
The the cool thing is, like we talked about with your book, uh, that people should pick up. It's still out there, everybody. It's a it's a, a matter of inches down in the U.S. or a, the crazy game in Canada. You can check it out. It's on uh it's on it's on soft cover now, right? My my edition was hard book. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's soft. Please check it out, everybody. That, that, that's, the, that's the cool thing, Clint. Like you said, you're very, uh, you know, very pr- proud of the people that have come up that have said that you've helped them. And that's, that's the greatest legacy than any Vesna or anything else, I would imagine, to you. Yeah, so, yeah I, I agree. Yeah, you know, I meet these guys. We're all the same. Uh, you know, we're retired. We golf or we meet at a fundraiser. And it's, it's pretty cool because even the superstars and the fourth liners and the backup boys, we're all the same. You know, we have mm-hmm. played. We're, we're we're connected through the game, and and it's great. Do you still um? Have you wait? Let me check. If any, did any of your alumni have any outdoor games they invited you to? Oh, Capitals no. would have. Capitals would have had an alumni. No, no. You don't. I, you strap on the pads anymore. They, they forgot I played for them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't strap on the pads at all and, and show them go out there. Um, you know, I'd be like I'd be like Forrest Gump. My knees would be popping everywhere. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. I All urge right. people to pick up your book. And uh, thanks for your time, Clint. Uh, uh, greatly appreciate it. And good luck with everything. All right. Anytime. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.